Welcome back to Memory Lane. My name is Cal C. Um, so just a couple of things, but before we start this um, this episode and you know double back into my catalog to repurpose this episode, which is about um, the two greatest weeks in hip hop ever. It was an episode I came up with five years ago, around this time, or five years and maybe about a week or so um, to be exact. Back in 1993, we had three classic albums that came out within a span of two weeks of each other. So about a week ago, you know, we've celebrated the 30th anniversary. There've been like promotions. And if you look on your Spotify and Apple, there's been a, 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 re, a reposting on those apps of the 30th anniversary of uh, Snoop Dogg's album, his debut album, Doggy Style. There's a re-release of that. But two weeks prior to that, back in 1993, Tribe Called Quest released Midnight Marauders, which is a certified five-star diamond, gold, platinum, whatever level you 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 equate to perfection, that is probably what that was. Um, so that was a classic. And then to make matters even better, if you're a hip-hop fan or just a music lover in general, then you had Wu-Tang Clan's Enter the 36 Chambers that was also released on the same day. So you had Midnight Marauders and 36 Chambers release on the same day. And then two weeks later, exactly two weeks later, you had the release of Doggy Styles. I mean, if that wasn't a great two weeks for hip hop, I mean, I don't know what is. I mean, there's been some great, important weeks and dates in history. We'll probably go over some of those in the near future. But I just want to uh, repurpose back that episode. Um, it was featuring... A uh, friend of the podcast, Dennis Barham, Canadian actor. You see them on, uh, I mean, it's too many commercials to mention um, and shows. And also a friend of the podcast, DJ Chris Nice as well. Um, and we had a great conversation about this, um, about those two weeks of hip hop, um, taking us back into that time when it was just uh, entering the golden era of hip hop, where there was just countless great albums and uh, songs that was just, you know, within 1993, 1994, was just an incredible time for the genre. Um, and seeing that we're celebrating hip, the 50th anniversary of hip hop uh, throughout the next, you know, I guess about another eight, nine months or so. Um, I figured what better time to re-release this, right? Um, so I did promise a episode of uh, the Speaker Box of Love Below. That was the double album of The Outcast, which was absolutely a monster. But just due to scheduling issues, um, I'm, that's going to come out next Friday instead. So I didn't want to leave you empty handed. So we're going to drop this episode here. And before we do that, <laughs> um, I know you want, you expected me to discuss some stuff on Puffy right now. I'm going to save that for next week as well. All right. But um, it ain't looking good for him right now. It ain't looking good at this moment in time. And uh, um yeah, it's uh, it's 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 crazy how the empire and the dominoes are just falling by the wayside, man. It's it's interesting to watch. Um, this happen in real time. It's like I feel like there's a there's a uh, a second round of the Me Too movement that's uh, that's coming back into our face. Um, so it's interesting to see who and what entities, what powerful people it takes down, and like looks like Puffy's one of the uh, the entities that that we're watching right now in real time. So it's, it's interesting to watch, but I will share my discussions on that next week. All right. So South Shabbat is available once again, wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, no Stitcher. But if you have Google Podcasts, tune in Alexa, you can catch it all there and wherever else you listen. 
Um, you can catch it on my website as well at SalshaRav.com. Once again, for the emphasis, that's SalshaRav.com. Hit the like and favorite buttons. Click on all of the five stars, please, please, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you, and thank you for the support, and please click the five stars for me, please, and thank you. Um, leave comments. Share that love. Share that love. All right, so I don't want to leave you with too much, too much more time. Let's get into this uh, repurposing of this episode. I appreciate you for tuning in. This is Memory Lane, the greatest two weeks in hip-hop ever. All right, that's the name of the title. Let's get on with it. Let's go. Now, before I continue, what are your thoughts on that event looking back on it now? Dennis, I'll start with you. Okay. So, um, when A Tribe Called Quest first came out, the album was off the chain to me. I was more of a New York kind of, like I said to everybody, like a New York kind of like core kind of hip hop kind of guy. Right. And so it took me by shock that I've never heard these musical instruments fused with hip hop. So I listened to the old album over and over and over and over again. I didn't like West Coast music at all. I wasn't really an NWA fan. I wasn't, I didn't listen to that. Right. But when Snoop Dogg came out, I was like, when Shiznit, the Shiznit, that's mm -hmm. the first song I heard. And I was like, oh my God, who is this guy? And it transcended from there to, I'm going to start listening to NWA and the West Coast. And then 36 Chambers was more like a, um, a shock to me as well, because it wasn't a typical New York type of style. And it came out, out of nowhere to me. And every track was good. Every And it incorporated like music, beats, good lyricists all the way through, like top to bottom. So all three albums were fully classic, coincidentally in the same two week period. Nice. What are your thoughts, Chris? Oh man, this this brings back some some amazing memories to me, man. Because um, back then I used to get the the my records like sent straight from New York. Like they would ship it out to me because I was doing like a uh, radio and all that. So mm -hmm. I remember getting the the Wu Tang album. I'm thinking. I remember looking at the album and thinking, man, these guys are are, are like a basketball team. There's so many of them. Yeah, how, how did these guys make money? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> I, I'll never forget that. That was my first thought with uh, with Wu Tang. I was like, yo, like. And then I remember I put it on um, one of the first songs I remember listening to off this album was "Can It Be? Can It All Be So Simple?" Right. Uh, and and right away that bass line, it was a rapper. <laughs> it was a. I was done once I heard that bass line. Now I'm not really a. A, a fully underground hip hop kind of guy, so certain yeah. songs didn't I didn't gravitate to, but that song pulled me. Of course, you know, protect your neck to this day to me is like forget it, like yeah. off the chain, yeah. like thick, yeah. you know. Especially when meth comes in, I mean, my goodness. So that yeah. album for me was just unbelievable. And then at the same time, with tribe dropping that tribe album to me, it's like again, I don't even know where to start on that. I, I really don't. <laughs> you know, I mean, just. Just, you know, ridiculous. When I think back at that album, I think I ended up getting two copies. They shipped me two copies by mistake, and I didn't correct them. <laughs> <laughs> I tucked it aside, and, and I mean, some of the songs that you couldn't really play at clubs too much, like they didn't gravitate too, too much yeah. to, like the ladies and stuff, like, you know, like Suck a Nigga, you know, Midnight, yeah. certain tracks. But right. those, were, those were like my joints. You know, Classic. Steve Biko. Steve Biko to me was... I used to just bang that in a car constantly. I mean, that album to me was insane. Now going to the Snoop, the Snoop album now, and the Snoop one dropped like a week or, or, or whatever later. Believe it or not, I didn't really, it didn't really grab me at first. 
because the first track I remember uh, they were pushing hard that I remember it was um was uh, what's my name yeah you didn't like that I'm, I didn't like I didn't like it either really I didn't no, like it, it. no it didn't get me no. it didn't it didn't pull it's, me it's probably the last song I like yeah I agree yeah it didn't pull me but but I think uh, like Gin and Juice had dropped before that uh, like with Dre right. I yeah, I believe so, yeah. That song yeah. we came out first. Well, we heard of that song first. Yeah. So I was still going off the gin and juice. The gin and juice was like blowing up parties. Right. So when, when they when they sent out the the um the Snoop album, I remember them sending like a note and stuff like like asking to push the who am I? But for some reason it didn't it didn't really grab me. And then I heard I heard uh no, sorry, not gin and juice. Did I say gin and juice? Uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I was coming, like, we were riding off G-Thing, but then when I heard oh, Gin G-thing, and Juice, yeah, 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 like, when I heard Gin and Juice, I was like, okay, I need to listen to this album. Mm-hmm. So gin, I would say Gin and Juice is what more pulled me in, and of course, Ain't No Fun, Doggy Style to me was sick. Yeah. You know, but I remember them, again, I remember them pushing Who Am I, but it didn't grab me. Even to this day, I think Who, Who Am I is, is is just okay. Yeah, it's just probably was overplayed as well, too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it was overplayed everywhere, and it was just a song. I didn't. It, it wasn't really catchy to me either. As, as yeah. Well. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But gin and juice to me, doggy style and ain't no fun. Psh, man, what to this day? Psh, come on. Yeah. You know it's funny, man. I'm like the opposite. I feel like they don't even play that song enough anymore. Um, oh, really? I'm talking about who am I? I'm talking about yeah. yeah. What's my name? Like I rarely, yeah. I rarely hear that song. It's funny at uh, one of my boys' weddings uh, this year. I remember um, the DJ played that song, and I was like, "Whoa! I haven't heard this in about fifteen years. What the hell?" You know, I don't know. I love, I love that record personally. Um, but for me, like, I guess, I think I was like in the ninth, tenth grade when this. I think no, sorry, I was in the tenth grade when this, uh, when those three albums dropped, and it was like this, the Snoop when when Doggy Style dropped, that was an event. Like I remember that being like everybody had to have that album, like. Everybody had it. Like the rockers had it. You know, the nerds had it. The girls had it. The ball players. Everybody had to like have it. They had to you know double copy on their Maxwell tape. You know, <laughs> pop the <laughs> pop the tab off. You know, once they were done. Like everybody had to have that. But I remember like hip hop heads. Like if you're a true hip hop head, then you were the ones that gravitated to 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 uh to the Midnight Marauders and the Thirty Six Chambers. Um, yeah. But like for me, like it's, you know, when it comes to tribe, like I always love tribe, always love tribe called quest, you know? And, um, but even at that age, you know, I was a little, I wouldn't say too young, but like some of the stuff went over my head, like, especially like the first album, the people that, you know, the instinctive travels and all that, that, that album, like that kind of went over my head as much. as I love like beneath an apple bomb and all that stuff. It went over my head a bit. I was like, you know, like just coming out of elementary school so it wouldn't it wouldn't <laughs> gravitate to be the same but like you know low end theory i love low end theory i i think midnight marauders to me was it was like i'm not saying all three of these albums weren't masterpieces but that one i think when i look back on all of them that one gravitates to me like the most because mm-hmm. like and it's and it's probably the one album like i still play to this day like out of the three that's the yeah. one i still like you know every few months is yeah, I gotta, I gotta pull that album out, or I gotta, you know, pull it up on Spotify and and listen to it. Thinking back on on those times, to me, it's just, I think it's just reflective of just of just music as a whole, like black music as a whole back then. Because I think yeah. it was like the, 
and you guys can I know you guys agree with this. This was this was like truly the golden era. This is like the peak of the golden era of like hip hop music. And uh, and you can even throw R and B in there as well. But especially hip hop, I think it was just it was just a crazy time. It was just a Yeah. I appreciate the fact that you have three uh, types of genre of hip hop with West Coast and the hard cutting edge of Wu Tang and then the Midnight Marauders and you know Tribe, their um their jazz kind of hip hop uh, mm-hmm. fusion. And they were so good and they were so influential at one time. Mm-hmm. And 25 years later, we could celebrate it because they, they were that influential. Mm-hmm. Music nowadays being made, we're not going to remember 25 years from now. We're not going to have a celebration for one song or yeah. what sort of thing. You know? So the era that it was, the music was made, it was such a diverse hip-hop pool. And they were all good in different styles of hip-hop. And anybody that liked all three, I could appreciate their... Uh, their musical ear or their hip hop ear because it was just such a all three were good albums even the tracks from top to bottom was the production um everything was just really nice about all three albums and to get it all at once like that was incredible that was a good time in hip hop yeah i i I agree but um but i you know i always i always preach to people when mp3 came into existence it was a it was a beautiful thing and to me it was a it was a dangerous thing at the same time because when i look at these days because they were still sending out vinyl, you got a chance to appreciate the tracks a little longer. Because, mm-hmm. for example, like how you know guys guys who did radio would get music shipped to them. The record labels had a budget that they had to keep. So if you got like let's say this tribe album and you got um, a single, you knew you weren't getting anything else for a little while because they have a budget, so they want you to work this single. They want you to work this album. Then another single will drop. You know, when, when the MP3 world came into existence, music is coming out so fast now because there's not really a like an overhead to get your music out to DJs. It's just, you know, like like make an address book and hit send. Yeah, so, yeah. So on, so on the bad side of that is there's so much music coming out now that you're not going to enjoy the music like you did back in 92, 93, because there's too much things. Like, they yeah. oversaturated the market. Yeah. You know, sense. so when I, look, when I look back at these days, like with these three albums, these were the days when I got a chance to sit on a record. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I mean? Like, yeah, sit yeah, and, yeah. and feel it. Like, you know, I would sit in my basement and play each song and, and play it again and play it. And two weeks later, a song that I thought was just okay because I played it so much. Now I got it. And I'm like, you know, I get this track. Yo, this track is sick. You know, but mm-hmm. nowadays, if I, if I get a song, by tomorrow, two days later, there's another 50 tracks in my, in my mailbox. Yeah, yeah. I don't have time to sit on a track. So yeah. I don't know if we'll ever come back to that, to the days where you could really absorb the music like back in the early 90s and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense. To touch on your point, it's like the MP3 lifestyle and, you know, like, and now the streaming lifestyle, like, it brought you convenience, but it took away the soul. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, 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 exactly. I, mean, and I mean, I wasn't buying records, but, like, even as a consumer, like, you, you know, and to touch on something that you were saying before, Dennis, too, about, like, nobody putting out, like, classic albums anymore. I believe you can still put out a classic album. It's just not appreciated the same. And the reason why mm-hmm. I say that is because... There's a difference when you go to the store and you buy, you know, you take your 20 bucks and you buy that album, you buy that CD or you buy that, you know, that, you know, the tape at the time. 
and mm-hmm. you know you're running it back and forth and you're, you're holding it in your hand you're reading the linear notes you know what i mean like it's like you're just you're you're really taking everything in but yeah. like an album now like if this album like say like wu-tang was to drop now you'd be like oh man this album is sick and then you would just you know like you would just it would just be on your playlist yeah you know what yeah I mean? understandable. you know so it's like it's just, it's just a different like I, I just think it's it's different so for me so because of that like music right now is is it's so disposable at this moment and i don't mean like in a bad way just just because again you get so much records now you get so much music yeah. now and it's so easy to get it's just you don't appreciate it the same way you just don't no it's hard yeah i can understandably the, the larger masses and volumes because in every city you may have like a hundred thousand rappers putting something online and they have 10 tracks each you can do the, the numbers after you go through every city in the world sort of thing right mm-hmm. and then there's just so much music to appreciate um yeah. and holding the record makes a difference it's tangible you could hold it you can look at the pictures you can remember you can reflect the way they dress and whatnot when you listen to the track you don't have that same advantage when you're downloading a bunch of stuff you lose the, the, the appreciation of it so mm-hmm. i understand that perfectly how do we get around that probably there's nothing we could do um but um <laughs> one of my wishes one of my wishes is some of those rappers would come back and make albums and put because albums is um, now relevant apparently and coming back into circulation and hopefully that they will put some type of record together put an album out and you know start that um the the culture of hip-hop back versus you know the social media era where you could just put a track up and extract it down and that's it you know mm-hmm. yeah i i agree and i and i and i'm like you i don't think that there's uh there's any turning back now yeah we could even go as far as far as also to talk about like studio work mm-hmm. like you go back in the days you go to a studio you're gonna put up put like like um try to produce a certain amount of tracks and mm-hmm. and you have to walk in that studio with a budget you know what i mean mm-hmm. nowadays i know so many people with a studio in their house yeah so you could you could pump out you could pump out so much music that's in your head. Whereas back then, listen, I don't have the pockets to pump out all that all that music. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So I might go in the studio and drop one or two singles and hope you know it. People are feeling it so that I could now try to start working on an album. Yeah, there's no experimenting. You're really working for that yeah. track. Yeah, exactly. But now, I mean, you know, I go to I go to John Smith's house down like three three doors down from me, and we can knock out an album. You know what I mean? True, and I, and I think at the same time too, I think it's it's again it's convenience, right? Because everybody's got a studio in their house, or everybody's got a smartphone or or a tablet or what have you. Now I can hit up Dennis and be like, "Yo, Dennis, I need you to hop on my track," and you're like, "Okay, cool. I'm gonna send you the beat. I email you the yeah. beat. You listen to it. You're like, oh, that's that's fire. Boom. I'm gonna start writing to this. You start writing. Okay, I'm gonna spit my you know my 16 on that. You spit your your your, your 16 bars. Uh, you email it back to me." I fixed it. I mastered it up. Now was now was done, and that's cool. But it's I think there's an importance of doing things face to face, which guys still uh-huh. do. But like back then, you didn't have a choice. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if if I wanted yeah. to get Dennis on the song, I had to get Dennis to the studio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether whether he mm-hmm. had his own car or I send somebody to go pick him up. You know, like we you know we had to we had to see each other. We had to work in that same space and vibe off each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that that too also makes a difference. To, to, how, yeah. to how like a lot a lot of this stuff sounded back then you know um yeah. i agree the 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 group foreign exchange did did an album like that right. 
connected. And Fonte was in North Carolina, I believe. And Nicolet was in the Netherlands. And yeah. Fonte went and like found his beats and said, hey, can we do it? And they did that whole album like that. Like that. But yeah. the, dif- the difference is they, they made a connection. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were talking. They were. It was organic. Um, they vibed off each other. They had a connection. Then they put the album together over a long period of time versus, okay, let's get this track out. It's uh, because it's an like it's not authentic when they do it nowadays. Where they just throw a beat, like just like you said, they send it here, send it here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Boom, put it together. Right? Can we get it out? They get it out onto the next somebody or next track. You know, sort of thing. Yeah. It's not making that connector. Yeah, I agree. I love uh, like these days, though. Like even to this day, there's certain records like I always said I'll never get rid of. Like certain hip hop, certain R and B that will always be on my shelves. And every now and then when I pull out like the Midnight Marauder, you know, I, I'm reading some of the stuff off it and you can visualize it. It almost makes you feel like you're actually in the studio yeah. with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can visualize them putting this together. You could visualize, I could visualize Wu-Tang, like the whole crew putting mm-hmm. this together and just brainstorming what will go here, what's good for here. You know what I mean? Change up just a little. So when you, when you could actually feel it, you could almost, you could almost smell what the studio, you know, yeah smelt like you know what i mean it, it takes you in mm-hmm. but like i said man i'll never forget these days i cherish these days and these three albums is one of the reasons why i'll always cherish these days yeah hip-hop was good then the music was good in general then you know what i mean like oh my gosh yeah. on the r&b genre i think we have a lot of um splices like different genres of music now because there's so much different diverse music mm-hmm. but we had a we had like a genre of hip-hop back then it was pure and whether oh, yeah. you weren't a good hip-hop artist or you were you still have your own identity and you could see the authenticity of it and the passion towards it mm-hmm. um it's and that's what i absorbed back then with hip-hop you know what i mean and the culture around it because it overlapped with basketball and just our way of life and it was mm-hmm. just beautiful back then it was beautiful oh yeah I, I, I love it man i, I miss those days and tracks there was so much music yeah that was coming out like every week and it was so tight like there was so much music. You'd be in the store like every Thursday and Friday and just going through music. And it's like, it was like, to me, it was a great time to be, to be a DJ. It was a yeah, great time I, to be a DJ, man. You know, I um, felt, I felt blessed. Like that's one thing about being like back in those days. To me, I, I, I was blessed, man. Because was, was able, because you were able to present the music differently. So the music that you have now, you can't present it the same way you could have did it back then. The best way to put it is I was able to feel it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I was able to actually feel a track. And then when I put it out on the crowd, it's like I knew, okay, um, they, they're going to they're gonna feel this track or they're not going to feel this track. But sometimes now when you're putting out tracks, you feel like, are they really going to pay attention to this? Because there's so much music in their head, uh, you know, that, that you got to play the track so fast nowadays because everybody's on that fast pace. Uh-huh. So it's a whole different energy now when you're throwing certain tracks out. Oh, okay. Well, it's funny because I think, and that's what I was saying before, like I think that this two-week period of hip-hop was like a, I think it was a, a reflection of the best period of hip-hop. And I'll always believe that that 93, 94 was the best time in hip-hop. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go over a, um, a list right here, <laughs> uh, preparing for this podcast. Like yeah. there, was, there was a new wave of artists that were coming out during that time, and they're either putting out impactful music, and you had ones that were also entering their prime. And mm-hmm. everybody was putting out like pretty much their best work. And I think some of it is like, like just to steal a, the, the concept from sports, you got competitive. 
when you're when you're you know like your your tribe and you know and you see such and such put out an album you're like okay we gotta go hard you know or like yeah. if you're pete rock you know gangstar just drops some some bangers you're like okay i gotta go back in the studio and and mix this up like if you ever hear the story of illmatic like how illmatic was put together it was five producers and and all of them who were basically in their prime throwing their best work so like they would sit in each other's sessions and be like oh my god he made the world is yours oh i, I gotta go back and fix this you know <laughs> like, so you know there's a there's a there's a healthy competition there which is great for yeah. us you know we benefit yeah. from that right mm-hmm. um but yeah, so let me let me go over this list during this period of ninety three, ninety four. This is in no particular order. You had mm. Black Moon, who dropped. Uh, KRS One, Return of the Boom Bat. My guy. Uh, Illmatic. You had Nas Illmatic. You had uh, mm-hmm. Biggie, who dropped his first album, Ready to Die. Um, mm-hmm. Outcast debuted during this two year period. Gangstar dropped Hard to Earn, which is I think is their greatest album. That oh they put my out. god! <laughs> classic, classic. Scarface was putting out bangers during that period in time. Yep. Um, J. Ru the Damager debuted with the. Uh, oh my God, J. Ru. The Sun Rises in the East. Yeah. Craig Craig Max Craig Mack had his first album dropped as well. You also had the Brat, you know, with the Funkified album that was like killing it during that period in time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Keith Murray, the most beautifulest thing in the world. That album dropped. Underrated um, rapper, man. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Here's another big group that. That they don't get talked about enough. Black Sunday album. Um, um, Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. Yeah. Cypress Hill. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. That's my guy, man. The whole the, their first album was like off the charts. And oh my was, God. And I thought and I thought they were from New York the whole time. I was like, oh, these guys are killing it. To find out from oh. the West Coast, boy, was I mistaken. The whole album, like top to bottom, was good. Oh, that, you know that, that album was a classic. Black Sunday is a classic. Yeah, from top to bottom, the whole album was like so good. Well, well, and they did the remix to yeah about um um the tribe called Quest on. They did they took a beat from it and sort of twisted it. It's like amazing. Like I just classic. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dennis, Calvin can tell you, man. I used to destroy that that uh, Cypress Hill. Bit. Oh really? Oh my what? god! I was a Cypress Hill guy. Listen to this day, one of the best concerts I've ever been to in my life. Yo. I went to a Cypress Hill concert at Canada Wonderland. Oh, for real? Back in the days at Canada Wonderland. And and the whole concert was slam dancing. Really? Slam dancing. And these, it, dudes, these dudes were testing weed from the crowd. Who had the best weed? Shit. So people were rolling weed and passing it to them. And they had a big bud on the stage that was like, was like it looked like 10 stories high. <laughs> and a mile wide. And, yo, it was that was the sickest uh, concert, and then I and then I was blessed to run into to him, uh, be real. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I ran. I ran into be him. real. Uh. Oh my god! About a year later, and I told him about that show, and we were we were cracking up. I was like, "Yo, you got to do a drop for me." I had my recorder. He did a drop for me, and I was like, yeah. "Yo, that show was sick." That was one of the <laughs> sickest hip hop shows I've ever really? been to in my life. And he has a unique voice. And oh, they got yeah. on, they got into rock and roll after too, just like the Beastie Boys. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were yeah. able to cross over like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I respect man. that group. Yeah, uh, and, and, and to yeah. this to this day, they can still do festivals. Do you know hundred? Oh yeah, like they still oh for sure. Day. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Especially overseas, they have just a big following. You know what I mean? Because uh, of the hip hop and the crossover as well. And and that's a that's a, a prime example of just staying true to yourself. You know what I mean? Staying true to yourself, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and the longevity will prevail. You know what I mean. People will see the passion rather than 
being inauthentic. You know what I mean? Yeah, insane but, to the brain. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Jeez. And the video was so good. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? You, now, you knew, Dennis, if you sat in a studio session with them and you never you never touch a, a like weed, you're coming out of there stoned out of your head. Really? <laughs> that, <laughs> that studio must have been like you were in the clouds. It's true. Right? Like a hot box. <laughs> they remind me of Funk Dubious. I don't know if you know about Funk oh, Dubious. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> That's what? when the fun doobies came out. Bow, wow, wow. I was like, yo, mini paper sales. Yeah. Yeah, man. What? Ho- hold on. Bef- let me let me, let me me interrupt for a second because I'm still not done with this list. Uh, oh, so Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we could have stopped there and that two year period would be great. But but hold on. Let me let me let me try to wrap this up. So uh, right. we still we still got Heavy D. You know, he put out the Nothing for Love, Nothing but Love for you, that, that album. That was pretty good. That, that was nice. Underground Nothing. Kings, U- UGK, sorry, UGK. Yeah, Underground yeah, yeah. Kings, they debuted. Onyx dropped around Onyx. that time. Mm-hmm. You had Souls of Mischief, which is, I think, this oh, t- I, I swear to God, if 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 I didn't know any better, I thought I would think they were from Toronto. They get so much love here. I swear. Yeah, I yeah, 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 definitely. They scored um, in Ottawa too back then too. Yeah, oh, a thousand percent. Diggable yeah. Planets, you know, dropped around that time. Yeah. Another another group that gets like they get they get underrated they get that underrated tag with them but they had a a a period where they were they were on fire at one point Lords of the Underground yeah thank you Chad yep Um, you had the Beat Nuts that were that were dropping around that time the Alcoholics Mm -hmm. that was dropping around that time yeah Master Ace put out a classic I mean that's crazy think yeah listen to this list not Naughty by Nature. Put out the hip hop parade, um, 1993, whatever the oh 1990 God. album. Queen Latifah <laughs> dropped her album. She came back. Wow. You had Run DMC with, uh, down with the King, and we're, we're not even and we're not even counting like House of Pain. We're not even counting like all that other stuff. Like, yeah. And when you look at this list, it's so diverse. It's insane. Yeah. Like uh-huh. just mm-hmm. looking at this, like it's insane. Just that is, and mm-hmm. then and then like I didn't even mention like Redman. I didn't even mention guys like that who are putting out albums too. Like, and the, and these guys aren't one hit wonders either. No, so they're, mm-hmm. they're constantly putting out good product in their own lane. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And like that's what I mean. Like everybody is so it's such a diverse list, uh, and everybody's sounding different. The and that's the thing. Like today, it's like I want. I don't want to say everybody sounds the same because you still have some. You you still have some unique sounding guys, but like it sounds a very similar. Like hip hop and R and B as a whole. Whereas you look at this list, like who who the hell sounded like Be Real? Nobody yeah, sounded know. like Be Real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you had somebody like Biggie who dropped, and like you know, mm-hmm. like who sounded like Biggie. Who sounded who like, sound like who sounded like Matt? Yeah, yeah. Who sounded like Snoop? Even and even and even when it came to production, even yeah. when it came to style of dress, their swag, their album covers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, music nowadays, we're talking about hip hop. Um, if the lyrics or the the BPMs aren't the same, the beat is the same, or uh, the, the the BPMs of the beat is the same. So there's always something similar to the point where every third song you can't differentiate who's who. So um, what I don't like about Eminem's album now, um, lyrically it's tight, but it sounds too similar to what's out there right now versus what he sounded in his past album. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So he's just been absorbed to that sound. Back then, no one was absorbed to any sound. You've stayed in your own lane and you you continue in your own lane in terms of album after album, production after production. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that's why I think like we were spoiled. Like We took it for granted. 
You know, and, and like especially yeah, back then now, you're yeah. just like, oh my god, like you didn't even realize what was going on back then. Like it's um, I, I used to tell. Uh, I remember having this conversation with one of my nephews, and I remember telling him like, if an album wasn't like seventy five percent hot, you didn't pick it up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if if it had like if it had like more than like three or four fillers, you're like, ah, this album's okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll tape it up eighty eight point one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take a couple singles off this. I'll I'll record those and that. I'm, yeah. I'm done with this. That list, like that. Just going back and looking at this list, I I was like, I was actually blown away by it because I'm like, yo, this is unbelievable. And I, and like I said, I'm 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 leaving some people out. I'm yeah, that's some, crazy. I'm leaving some that, That's not even R and B. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 and and again, and I'm, I'm not even including the three albums we're talking about on top of mm-hmm. that, you know. And you're not even including the remixes of some of the yeah. singles oh on God. these albums, or, yeah. or or collabos, or collabos. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Or or like a soundtrack. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Man, those are good days, man. Yeah. Those are good days. So you know what? I'm gonna ask a couple of um. You know, we'll we'll. Continue this conversation, but just I'm gonna ask a couple of hard questions here about these three specific albums. <laughs> hey, go um, ahead. All right, so you have to choose Midnight Marauders or Low End Theory. Midnight Marauders or Low End Theory? Yeah. Which Midnight which Marauders. if you have to choose, like which one which one do you think is better? Uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, because I don't have the other one in my head right now. I would yeah, probably more gravitate to Midnight Marauder, but if I had both of them sitting in front of me, that would be a hard question to, to answer. I'll, yeah, I'll pull it up all right the, now. Can, continue, I'll pull it up right now. Yeah, I know, in theory. Oh, and Midnight. Uh, that's tough, man. Yeah, that's a tough one. Which is to tell you, which is to show you the greatness, right? Yeah. I would have to say, because Electric Relaxation is probably my top two songs of Transport yeah. Quest, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, hold on a second. Let me let me pull it up because I want you to. Can I kick it? Yeah. Yes, you can, man. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. And who got the jazz? And yeah, so yeah, yeah. The excursions bugging out. Yeah, bugging out. Tight. Vibes and stuff. Check the rhyme scenario. Who got the jazz? Sky pager. Sky pager. Yeah, I'm like uh. Yeah, I might have to go with the uh, with low end. Now really? that I think about it, yeah, man, yeah. I might have to go that route. Because uh, I mean, for I'm, I like Calvin. There's too many classics on that, you know. Yeah, and that's your album. That that's your your their I think their um their second album, right? It anticipated is, yeah. because they people in New York thought they were just a flop. They weren't getting mm-hmm. love in New York, so they really put into this album. And this is their second album. And I remember listening to Bugging Out. 88.1 he said okay db album fuck it and then i was like yo this song is like off the chain and they heard the album you know so i think that's why i would pick that album because it's more yeah in terms of their career and and i remember when who got the jazz came out i think i had an out-of-body experience mm-hmm. <laughs> when i, I couldn't be, i didn't know how they did that i was like got, that's such a jazzy beat like yeah Something yeah, happened man. to me. I think I, I think I drifted off somewhere and I, I used to play i'm pretty sure if you play that album right now it probably has some, you know, the, the popcorn effect at the bottom, like the beginning of the song. Because I used to just cut that song out back and forth, back and forth. I couldn't stop cutting it back and forth. <laughs> that track was just sick. So when I think, when I think back of it, that album, it hit me harder. Yeah. Than, than this one. 
it's tough. It's it's honestly, it's I I don't argue with anybody's list when it comes to that. Like like everybody has their preference between the two. Um, yeah. My, yeah. Mine, I think was was I. It just Midnight Marauders resonated with me a little more. But I like again, I don't argue with anybody's anybody's list when it comes to that one because it's you know they're they're both classic. And and that's the thing. Like you can't. Well, a couple of things. I think you got to give props to that group because it's hard enough to put out one classic. But to mm-hmm. put out two where, like, they stand the test of time, you know, like, 25, 30 years later, you're you're still looking to play them, like, play those albums, like, like, it, like they just came out yesterday. Like, that, to me, is just the sign, you know, the sign of a genius, you mm-hmm. know, of genius work. Um, hold on. Let me, because um, Midnight Marauders, I mean, you go over the list again, the war tour, you know, still, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, Steve uh, Biko, Sucker Nigga, which, I, oh, God, I love that record. You, you but know, you know what? Electric relaxation. Oh my God! Um, you know, you know, which record is an underrated yeah. record for me on that album that I love too is is the chase. The chase, yeah. I used to love the chase too. But sorry, were you gonna say, Chris? You're gonna say something? Back in those days, a lot of the clubs we like, like we would do, you couldn't play certain joints. Right. You know what I mean? So you had to leave certain joints for radio. But I remember in Toronto. Certain joints just didn't take off, and it used to piss me off because one of the tracks that I felt that used to just move me, and I used to try to to, to drop it sometimes in parties, but I would never get a nice reaction. So I'd have to kind of watch it and mix it out quick at certain points. Was Midnight? Yeah, yeah, like Midnight that was song. Unbelievable. Yeah, that song to me. But every time I tried it at a party, I, it didn't get the it didn't get what I thought it should get. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, 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 okay. So you did you, what, in that case, you would just slowly mix it out quickly, or you let it play out? No, I would. I would always like certain tracks. If I wasn't sure about it, I would. I would make sure, and I have. I'd have another uh, vinyl lined up. Oh, like, so, okay. so I would talk. I would talk like a, another track under the next turntable, mm-hmm. so that just in case this one doesn't get the action, I pull that track out quick and just and just bring it in quick. But so certain tracks to me, I I always felt like the city, at least that R and B market that I used to play to a lot. A war tour work, you know, certain tracks work, but there were so many tracks, especially with hip hop, that I just thought should have tore the roof off, you know, but it was sometimes in Toronto, people were too cool in these R&B parties to go off. <laughs> it pissed me off, man. Play the remix. You know? It pissed me off, because as much as an R&B DJ that I was, I was, I was a, just as much a hip hop DJ. Uh, yeah. But I used to have to hold back. So when I do R and B parties, I would I would have to hold back my hip hop side because you don't want to clear the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 you but you're right. Look at looking back on those two albums in terms of that aspect that you know the club aspect point of view. Low end theory had more of the club bangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Both incredible in its own way. But and, and you know what though, I, I think you you got to give props to Q Tip. And the reason why I say oh, that is yeah. because I think personally, I think he's the most underrated producer in hip hop. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Because people didn't even know he produced until like afterwards or, oh, he did that song because he didn't really advertise himself as a producer. Like he was always, to me, just the rapper. You know what I'm saying? I always thought uh, um, Ali. That's what I thought uh, too. Yeah. Was, was the yeah. producer the whole time, you know? Yeah. And, and it wasn't. But yeah. I've never heard Q-Tip say, I produce that. He just sort of, yeah, Jay Dilla did this or what? But he's never said, "Oh, I did it, I did it, I did it, I did it." Yeah, clutch writing rhymes and you know, yeah, man. 
even when you look at um, you look at the linear notes and stuff, it always says you know, especially the earlier albums, it always said produced by a Tribe Called Quest. But you're like, yeah. because but you you thinking because Ali Shaheed Muhammad is a DJ, you're like, ah, it was him that probably exactly. did it. Exactly. You know, not yeah. knowing all that time, it was Q-Tip that was getting these little samples together and yes. chopping it up and you yeah. know, and it was, yeah, it's exactly it. You would search, you would do research and cut it up to the point where the producers like the day before the album, okay, you have to give it to us now. Like, give it to us because we're ready for it. Because he would always manipulate to the last second. He was a perfectionist in that nature. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he yeah. would search for those tracks, yeah. Yeah, like, like I'll say, the, uh, producers like him, I always said they're like, they're like MacGyver. <laughs> they always found give these it. little samples, yeah. you know. Give me a roll of toilet paper. Give me the you know the the paper clip. I'll make a bomb to get us out yeah. of here. Like, is yeah. I don't know how they. I, I, honestly, I don't know how they how how we how we did it. I don't know. Rock and Jay Dilla, Ninth Wonder. They like they're pros at it. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. primo track the music and like yeah, primo. like I don't know how you guys do it. Like, how did you guys hear that? And then they hear something you don't even hear, and they manipulate it. So, damn, that's some hard. Like that's that's a nice beat. Yeah. You know. Well, well, and also what 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 I love about these guys is I I used to always look at at the time. Do you know how much time you have to put in to go through a record? So when I when I thought yeah. about those guys, especially back in the days, I used to be like, yo, these guys have to spend so much logging, so much hours. If you're not passionate about it and you're willing to fail doing it, you couldn't be on their level. Yeah, I remember somebody coming to Pete Rock and saying, "Hey, where did you find another DJ?" He said, "No, you need to go find that on your own." You know, yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> the same way I had to search for it, and that's exactly yeah. what he said. You know, make you appreciate it. You appreciate it more. Yeah. He said you know? he had to hunt for those. You yeah. know? and that's why to this day, Dennis, anytime DJs um, approach me and they're like, "Yo, I want to come to your house and trade music, like trade, trade, um, like files," I'm like, "No, nah, man." Especially if you're just getting into the game, no, you got to do the red eye. I call it yeah. the red eye, and that's where you got to stay up so much hours that your eyes are constantly bloodshot, mm -hmm. and that's how you're gonna enjoy this shit. If you're just taking stuff from people, you'll never enjoy it. You got to yeah. you got to put in the hours. You got to put in the, the the hours. If you don't put in the hours, you don't deserve to be in this game, or you can't call yourself a true DJ. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I think back of the primos and those guys, it's like. I know they logged in hours that are like phenomenal. Not every human being is built to do. Yeah, it's true. They really put it, and the research in all genres of music back then, like yeah. blues, yeah. rock and roll, you know, jazz, like whatever. If you ever get a chance, um, and for you listeners too, if you ever get a chance, you I don't know if you're popular with uh, if you if you're familiar with this, but like, um, if you go on YouTube, check out um, Vin Rican. Cause he he always uh, he's a DJ from I think Power One Hundred Six in Los Angeles. He always um, takes like a classic album and plays you all the samples from the album, but he does it like track for track for every song. So like a Midnight Marauders, like the Midnight Marauders one, you should check that out. That one is sick. Uh, Just where you okay. see like the samples and and some of them literally, Dennis, they're like they're like two seconds. They're like a second. Yeah. And you're like yo, yeah, that's and what he's you flipping made it. That? Yeah, you're like what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what the hell? <laughs> Between like you know doing research later on as time went along, and then you got a chance to watch that documentary on on Tribe. Like for me, um, I think I appreciated Q Tip really uh, like the most out of that documentary, especially going back to it because, and you know you think about it, like he did a lot of work. Yeah, like it's, it's like after Midnight Marauders came, like he helped kind of like usher in that renaissance of 
of the East Coast. Like he helped kind of change that sound a bit. And I, I mean, uh -huh. look for for example, like he was on Nas for One Love, like for Illmatic for One Love. You know, mm -hmm. he he did three tracks off the infamous "Drink Away the Pain." He did "Temperatures Rising" and "Give Up the Goods," and then mm -hmm. you know, all of them sound different. That. They're all sick, yeah. And then and then he did the first Crooklyn Dodgers record, yeah, which is a classic, to me. which yeah. is a classic, yeah. Like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's like it's only at that point you're like, Q-Tip is disgusting, yeah. But, it's, yeah. but it's like, but it's like when you talk about the greatest producers of all time, he never gets mentioned. But like, but how is that so? When Tribe Called Quest is one of the Greatest hip hop groups of all time. Yeah. He did but a remix for, uh, for Nas. He did flunk. Say yeah. again? No, say, say what you just said. He didn't flunk it. Yeah, because he didn't. He didn't. Yes, it, yeah, that's why. Yeah, he did. Next, I was saying he did a, a, a um, um, the World Is Yours remix, and I was oh like, Oh my god, who the yeah. hell <laughs> made this beat? You know what I'm saying? I was like, What was going on in his head? You know. <laughs> Yo, I forgot oh about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, it sounded better than the first track. Mm -hmm. I was like, how could that be? You I know what I'm saying? I forgot about that. And he, right never, and he never said anything to nobody. He never yeah. said, he just didn't flaunt it, like you were saying. He didn't show up. He didn't say, I'm a producer. Give me my right. He just, he really enjoyed the music. He was so good at it. You know? Yeah. Sometimes I miss those days where you get a record. And you put the needle on it. You 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 come home or you or you or you open it or whatever, like out of the mailbox. You put your needle on it and and you do the good God. Yeah. <laughs> I miss those good God moments. I don't really get those moments too much anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And those days, like I remember, for example, for example, when when Pete Rock remixed the House of Pain, jump jump around. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. I remember putting the needle on that record and going, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I miss yeah. those moments. Like it, it shook your whole, your whole, you know, world. You know what I mean? And, and he did it with Dots effects too. You know? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And, and the same thing. He just it, he has a, a um, an album, a instrumental album, piece instrumental. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe like six, five, six years ago. But it's so amazing. He's just he's just so crafty with this, and it's so surprising because he reminds me like a Jay Dilla where he produces, but he raps too. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah, very good. Like Q Tip produces and he raps too, yeah. very well. You know. You know, it was another un uh, underrated uh, remix that, as you know, if we're gonna go into this remix uh, <laughs> conversation right now, um, Craig Mack, can I get down? The, the remix. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that yes, that yes, remix yes. was stupid. Yes, stupid. Yes. It was. Who produced that? Q Tip. He did. Oh my yeah. God! I didn't know that, man. Yeah. yeah. That was a good remake, yeah. <laughs> Can't they get that? Yeah, yeah that, that was a nice remake. Yeah, that, man. That remix was stupid, man. Like, and, and then, and then, it, and then years later, I found that he did. Remember, I mean, he it was a one-hit wonder. But you remember Apache? Apache oh, did, yeah. The gangster, what's it called? Gangster, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. he did that I need too. a gangster. Yeah, he, I need a gangster. Yeah. Yeah, he did that too. Who? Q-Tip? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. You know how you know how good you have to be for all these artists to have to come to you and say, "Hey, do a beat for me." Yeah, you know, know. what I'm saying? Wow, Jeez, man, wow. Yeah, here, here's another here's another question I, I want to ask now. Um, can you make the argument that Doggy Style is better than the Chronic? Hmm, that's tough. I would say the Chronic is better. Right, but but I'm saying, can you make the argument though? I, like I know many people say the Chronic is better. They think it's the Chronic. Some people. The Chronic is the best album of all time. 
mm-hmm. which which you I kind of disagree with. I love it, but no, I, I not the all time, not all time. But I think I think the recording had like twenty tracks on it, something like that, or a ridiculous amount. And um, I think it's like saying was Jordan better um, this year or the year after? What well, each year he got better. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. album was okay, you know, good, but the next album is better because he's more seasoned. You right. understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Right, right. And so he knows what it's because you remember he was coming from the street. He just gave him the, the the tape. He had no experience or nothing. Then he went from zero to a hundred, and he really put it. But now he has all the studio. Now he has the fame and the yeah. fortune, the confidence, the people around him, his direction. He knows what he wants, what he doesn't want. So I think. That's why I would say the other album would be much better, but there's no real argument with that because you could tell that he's he's a much better uh, writer, rhymer, you know what I mean? Better beats were given to him, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Right. What are your thoughts, Chris? So, you know, um, a lot of these questions you're asking, it's <laughs> tough to answer. Yeah, <laughs> man. It's one of those things where I wish I knew the answer so I can pull out the albums and actually look at them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I can get a feel for them again. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's good questions though because it leaves you like like stumped. Yeah, man. I'm still thinking like, but yeah, yeah, man. But that's, if I had to go one way, you know, that's what it would be for those reasons. But I'm really, I'm really talking myself through it, like I'm on the phone by myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. is it really? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, Dennis. Like, which which again shows you how good the product was. Yeah, you know. But you know what, Dennis, you, you make a great point though, because I like I think you can. There's an argument that you that could be made that doggy style is better, but it's but honestly, you stole the reason what I was gonna say, and 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 it's what Dr. Dre and them did was you know for the chronic was timeless, right? Because I was kind of like you, I, I I wasn't really into the West Coast um, mm-hmm. hip hop until uh, really until the chronic. Like I wasn't an NWA mm-hmm. fan either. I liked Ice Cube though. I liked Ice Cube yeah, when yeah, he came yeah. on. Like when he came, when he went solo, I liked Ice Cube. He went solo, yeah, 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 yes, I did. But yes. I, but mm-hmm. but outside of Ice Cube, I wasn't really feeling a lot of West Coast stuff at the time until the yeah. Chronic. Until the Chronic came out, I was like, okay, like that Chronic got my attention as to be like, all right, you know what, this is. And then Snoop was just so unique sounding and different. Like, how do you not yeah, like yeah. like his sounds, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But I think so if you like, say you didn't like him, you're behaving, yeah. It's like he mastered the sound. And then he went another level with uh, talking about Dr. Dre with Doggy Style. He was at the point where you're just you're just batting a thousand right now. Like you got you got to the top of the mountain. Now you just you're just dusting everybody off. Like you know, yeah. like that's that's the way I kind of see it. And it's the same way I kind of see it with like low end theory to to um um to Midnight Marauders. Like as much there's probably more bangers, more hits on on low end theory. But like I just think. Top to bottom, I think Midnight Marauders like there's no holes. Like Doggy Style, there's no, there's no fillers in Doggy Style. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like even some of the fillers could have been, they could have been singles if you really wanted to push it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like Doggy Dog World. Like I think that song was like that was one of my favorite songs. Yeah, and, nice. Eh? Yep, and the the, the Shiznit and Pump Pump. Like I like, whew, like <laughs> yeah. Classic, classic stuff. But yeah. like, what, what I, what, I always make that argument or bring that up with people, and people go crazy. Like, no, you can't. That's blasphemous to talk about in the, you know in comparison to the Chronic. But I'm always like, but if you listen to the two of them, you know, I'm obviously not gonna do it right now. But like, if you ever get a chance, listen to the, listen back to the two of them. 
man, the doggy style is right up there with 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 the chronic man. Like, just, yeah, I know just it is sonically. It is. It's 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 an incredible piece of work. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, but my reason again too is to say if that album is better, that 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 means he didn't grow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, as no, an artist. no, that's a great point. So if I had to pick, I'm only basing it on that because. They're both so good. You know what I'm saying? But, but, then that's, yeah. but then that's a tricky one because then we can go back and say the same thing about Tribe. Then. I right. think the albums were getting better. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they were getting more crafty. I think they were uh, sampling uh, different things. I think they were taking... Uh, they, they weren't even taking risks. They were, they were established, so they were able to do a lot more things uh, without yeah. the fear of taking risks. You know what I'm saying? No, so, but if you compare the low end to the Midnight Marauder, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I might still go with the low end because they, yeah. they they mastered it with with the low end. They mastered it with the low end, but they kind of perfected it with with Midnight Marauders. But like you have to recognize that you got to the top of the, to the top of the hill with with low end theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I say with with Death Row and Doggy's like um, the Chronic. Like I think when it comes to Doctor Dre, I think I think he got to the top of the mountain with with the Chronic, and then just Doggy style was just the next evolution of it. Yeah, remember, remember murder was a case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> murder was a case gave, and he made it sound so cool. It was a story <laughs> like a slick mixdown, but gangster like. You know what I'm saying? And it made it seem like he was talking directly to them. Like it was just like it was real. And the video always matched what what he was feeling and saying too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was really really good. Yeah, nice song, good beat. You know what I mean? That's Great how times, I, that's how I feel about pump pump because I'm like pump pump. I'm like as a grown man now, I'm like, as a grown as a grown man now, I'm always like I shouldn't. You know, you feel weird singing it, but like it just yeah, like, oh, I know. Man. I know. I'm like, that's like one of my favorite records, man. I, I love that record. <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure. I just I love that record. I need to hear it loud at all times. Yeah. Like, well, that's why it's a shame. A lot of those albums. They didn't have the clean versions. They had the clean versions on on a lot of the singles, but not the albums. So you couldn't even play the albums at home sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you have to put on your headphones. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, here, here here's my other question. Let me lead you to this uh, last question, and then we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, what's your favorite song off off Thirty Six Chambers? Uh, protect protect your neck. Yeah, protect your neck. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just cause why? Like just cause. Oh my gosh! Um, lyrically, um, he's talking about Joe Fraser, the hell raised that. It just and it just it was like he came right in, and it was just raw, and it was more like a New York kind of style for me, even though it was a different kind of New York. Mm. And it just it just caught me off guard because, like, um, like uh, Chris was saying, that there was a lot of guys I didn't know who was a rapper, who was a DJ, who was like you know the sidekick. Um, they incorporated like kung fu, so I thought it was like okay. And then when I heard, like, I heard a couple of tracks before, I was like, who, and I put it together from Protecting Neck, you know what I mean? Um, Wu-Tang Clang, and that was, like, I think, I think my first introduction of lyrical tightness, you know what I'm saying? It's just the beat was good, like, everything about that song was nice. Lyrically tight, mess came in, yeah. It's the method mm-hmm. man for shop moving. Oh, yeah, and you see how the beat just comes in, it pauses there, and then it comes. Uh, yeah, that song was like, yeah, it was an ill song, man, ill song. Because, because looking back, like when I first heard "Protect Your Neck," I'm, I pretty much think I had the same answer as everybody else, or the same response, I should say, which is basically like, like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't understand, like. 
like yeah, it was just it was just a good song, man. Like like everything about it, like I, warmer for basketball in the house, showered, like all that. Yeah, I have to agree, but I'm coming from another angle. Mine is also like Dennis's, protect your neck. But here's why: because I grew up like playing everything as a DJ, mm -hmm. but I was also a good portion of me was a hip hop DJ, and I always believed there's a certain time in a party, whether it's an R&B party or whatever, where I'm gonna hit them hard in the chest hard in the chest mm -hmm. and we're gonna bang this out and when i'm done for that like 45 minutes hour you're gonna be like what the what just happened your shirt's drenched and the place just wild out and protect your neck fit perfect in that energy where it's just hard you know what i mean hard like thumping in your chest it's craziness it's, it's aggressive like i love that kind of hip-hop so when i heard protect your neck it was it had me written all over it it was just it was just hype So I just vision at one o'clock at, at a party, we're gonna go hard for about an hour until Dennis. You remember this? Until last call, close to last call at two o'clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so usually like around one o'clock, something to one, mm -hmm. you're gonna go hard and things like protect your neck. You slide in a mix with tracks that are on that energy, mm -hmm. and people are just gonna go ape shit for the next yeah. like forty five minutes. If you play this song right now in your circuit, you know what I mean? And if you're playing out, people mm -hmm. are ages are going to go lose their head. You know what I mean? They're like, what? Like, girls, guys, people know the song. They remember it. It's a very influential song. It depends on the party. There's some parties. I mean, Dennis, Toronto's a tricky place because there's parties where I've cleared the floor with, mm -hmm. with, with, um, or came close to clearing the floor, I remember. And I'm, I'm talking like 10, 15, whatever years ago. Because stuff like, let's say, like, Sucker MCs, mm -hmm. you know, certain tracks that I'm like, are you guys kidding me? Like, I know you guys grew up on this shit, but it depends on the crowd. Like, the, the like oh, our okay. age group now, it yeah. depends. Because there's still some people, they, they feel like, okay, because I'm 35 now and up, I shouldn't be listening and, or dancing to, you know, protect your neck anymore. That's, that, that's kind of beneath me now. Oh, okay. I, I look at it the opposite. I look at it as like the complete opposite. When I do go out, which is very rarely, but when I do, I see people my age group and older, and I'm 45, um, dancing to the the new music, whoever they are right now, you know, whoever's mm -hmm. relevant in the last couple of weeks, and they're dancing to it and they move, and they're really having a good time. And I just look at it; they've lost the value of dancing to music that moves your soul. You know what I mean? Rather yeah. than just your head or your neck and up. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. uh, I, I agree. I agree. And that's why when you go to some of these concerts, like some years back, we went to see um, um, Rakim, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. even, before, even before that, we went to see Calvin. You remember this. We went to see Tribe. Mm -hmm. I, like, I'm, I remember being at that party and, and or that concert and the place was packed. It was at the cool house and the place was packed. Why is it that the majority of the people in there was 20-year-old white kids? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all the guys I grew up with was Tribe Head, was Rakim, Eric B and Rakim Head, but they would never go to a show if they came to town right now. Yeah, yeah I, I went to Delasco, same thing, school house, when Delasco came, I figured, oh, it's going to be Ram, with people my age that are black or urban, and not one. Yeah, Maybe that's like some weird sprinkled, sprinkled here and there. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, we get to like 35 and we feel like, you know, it's beneath us now. We we have to mature and outgrow that. I'm like, F that, man. You know, I'm I'm hip hop till I die, man. Yeah, man. Likewise. Likewise. <laughs> I I don't know. I can't I can't if I go to a party and I go to dance and I go I I want a reflection of myself and 
um, memories. And I love when people are singing the same music that I'm singing. And mm-hmm. I know everywhere is not going to play that type of music. It's more of like a theme night, 80s theme, 90s theme. Um, for me, there's just not uh, a lot of options for me to go out to want to dance and listen to, not, I wouldn't say good music, music that I particularly like because it's infused with a lot of the trap music nowadays and whatnot that mm-hmm. I have no relationship with. I have no idea what they're saying and I don't know how to dance to it. And the new dance is like three seconds dance to the next three seconds dance to the next mm-hmm. three seconds dance. And um, that's very difficult for me. So that would be my only complaint would to have more um, Chris Nices around the city. I have more yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, at the right parties where we're appreciated. Yes. yes. Where we're appreciated. Because I've I've been at parties where certain friends of mine will drop certain tracks that I'm in a corner, like certain old school hip hop, and I'm like, Oh my god and I'm hearing women going, Why is he playing this shit? And they're my age and I'm thinking, Oh come on. Oh you, my you god. didn't dance to this shit? <laughs> You know what? Like you, sorry, I want to say something about that tribe concert. Um, I, yeah, I was at that concert. Let me tell you something right now. I never smiled more at a concert in in my life than that <laughs> than that tribe concert, man. And you know why? Because because that was at the time when tribe was broken up, right? And yeah. they came back for just like a maybe like a five city tour. And I mm-hmm. think at the very Chris, I don't know if you remember this, Dennis. Basically, Chris called me at like. Basically, what about a half hour before the show started, and I was on my way somewhere. And he called me like, "Yo, you, I got an extra ticket, basically." And I remember I, I was like, I went from, I think I was in Malvern. I went from Malvern to like in front of the cool house, like standing in front of the cool house, like in twenty minutes. Like, that's uh, how, <laughs> like, like that's how fast I got there. And went, yo, and went, and as soon as I walked in, like Q-Tip hit the stage, and dude, my face. I never went to a concert where my face hurt. Like I was smiling yeah. so much that like my face was sore, yeah. my cheeks were sore. It's like, like when you chew gum for so long and then get sore. Oh my gosh, y'all! I was just I was I was losing. I was like blacking out, man. And when and they started hitting, you know, like they started going through their their catalog. It was just Dennis. It was bangers after bangers after bangers. It was it, it was just it was retarded, man. But I always said what I what what I always took from that show is where are my friends? Where are my people? You know, why am I looking at a 21-year-old kid in front of me? Yeah. You know, like, come on, man. You guys grew up with this shit. We were in the layup lines to this shit. <laughs> we are in clubs to this shit. Why are you, why, like, what? That, that, to this day, that will always confuse me. Yeah. And, and you know what? I want to revisit something with Protect Your Neck real quick. Um, it's funny because, like, hip-hop was, like, you know, especially back then, like you were so used to having like if if there was that many people and one song, it was usually like a collaboration. It was like a symphony or it was like self-destruction. You know what I mean? Where like yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody, you know, like came on for the one like the We Are the World hip hop version of one type of record. So to have like eight rappers or nine rappers on one song was like mm-hmm. it was just it was just unheard of. But um, my my favorite one. It's funny we're not mentioning Method Man as as like one of the songs, but like, but my, my favorite one was it's a tie between, um, can it be also simple and um and cream. Okay. Yeah, I think cream was like I, I think cream was one of the best records ever made, man. If you ask me, I'm sorry, just just because when you combine like the hotness of the song, you know, like um, you know the 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 beat was perfect, Ray and, and Inspector Deck rhyming on it was perfect. It, it was just a perfect combo. Method Man was on the hook. Like nobody in that group could pull off that hook like Method Man did. And and then you just figure like on top of that, you throw in the fact that like 
culturally, like how that that name cream, like that acronym, basically like it dominated culture for the next, you know, mm-hmm. 20 something years. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like people still to this day use cream. You know what I mean? Like use cash rules, everything around me. Like people still yeah. use those acronyms to this day. So it's like, I think when you look at the combination of all of that, it's, it's, it's that, but then like, I love can it, can also simple. I just think that song is just, it's yeah. just flawless. The, the, in, the intro, especially. Yeah. 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 The intro. But you know it's funny when you're saying cash rules everything around me. You're talking and all I'm hearing is the end when you go dollar dollar bill, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, I love hip hop, man. God. All right, so here's my uh, here, here's my final question. So let me let me cut you, Calvin. You brought back some great memories tonight, man. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It was needed, man. Like it's funny. Like a couple weeks ago, when everybody was talking about the celebration of um, Midnight Marauders and 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 the 36 chambers dropping on the same day i was like yeah this is amazing but i'm like where was this five years ago because I, I was going crazy five years ago with this uh when this topic happened but like every once in a while you got to do a podcast like this man where you just mm-hmm. kind of one of the reasons why i love doing podcasts like these because we should have a, a venue where like or sorry an avenue where we're able to reminisce like you know you hear people talk about oh man Top Gun was the best movie of all time. And they'll talk about, oh, my God, like, a, you know, the Metallica album was one of the greatest albums. Nirvana, yeah. da, 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 da. What happened to our stuff? Like, albums like these or, or times like these where it's like, this is like, for if you're a hip-hop head, this is like an important, you look back, this is a very important time because those three albums were so, they were so impactful and they sounded so different from one another. And they, each of them, like, they did, it kind of reverberated for generations, changed the game. It, it helped change the game. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to you have to celebrate like that that time period. You know, yeah. because it was it was a special time period. And it was a part of our culture. It was a part of us. It was a part of our, you know, our, when we were growing up. It's, it, you know, it means a lot. Like these memories mean a lot. Yeah, right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm in the basement looking at the records as I'm talking to you. I'm sitting down Yo. watching the show. When you got to talk, sometimes I'm daydreaming. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's good to talk about, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, there's only so, so many people I could talk about, you know, hip hop with and the art of it, you know what I mean? And have the time to sit down to do it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now that we're doing it, I'm like, man, that was some good time. Yeah, I didn't know about he produced that. Oh, really? Oh, you used to feel the same way about I feel, oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So my, my good, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um. So my last question is, like, what are your lasting thoughts on this period? Like, I know we basically, you know, spoke about it for, uh, you know, ad nauseum. But like, what are your lasting, what are your lasting thoughts on on that two week span in '93 when three classic albums, you know, helped change hip hop? Um, the lasting reflection of that two week period is that it's still relevant and it still brings me a happy face today talking about it, right? And it's been that relevant through my life, listening to the songs over and over thousands of times, you know, and the memories that my friends have with it at parties. And so it was a, as a major influence, I would say in my life in terms of music and happiness and um, how I value music, how I can compare music from then to now. Um, and the appreciation. People say when you just play music and you listen to it, 
it's more than listening to it. It's just soothing your soul. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was so appreciative of that, that they put out music like that, that um, I can listen to and it makes me feel good. And I work out to it and I play it when I'm taking a shower. Um, it just, it just uh, really, really, really made uh, a big positive blessing in my life. So there's no uh, other way to put it because I didn't reap no rewards from it other than just uh, the beauty of the music itself. I totally agree. I would put it this way. Those two weeks to me is a reminder of how blessed I was or or am, I should say, to have gone through that period Mm -hmm. where it was vinyl. I got a chance to touch it. I got a chance to, 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 to breathe it. Like I'll give you a quick example. Um, my son, a friend of my son came by one day. They were going to a party and they were, they were, they were uh, waiting for an Uber or something. So they went downstairs for a bit and his boy came back freaking out because while he was downstairs, he decided to, to go to my, my, my shelves. And he was freaking out because he's like, no, like this is actual, the actual albums, the actual, you know, um, um, singles. Like, yo, your dad lived this. You know, and he was he was freaking out because like like your dad lived this, and it hit me. I was like, yeah, to them it must be interesting because they hear about Biggie, and here's the actual album with name on it, and this and you can read it. And I sat back and I thought, yeah, this was a blessing that I will always, always cherish, and always feel like I was a part of something special. I was a DJ in these times when they were pushing these, these like these types of records that you could feel, you could touch. It had substance. You know what I mean? We could put a, we could put a, uh, what you call a diamond tip needle to it and feel that bass. Like I'm, I love, I love those days. I cherish it. You know what I mean? So those two weeks is just a piece of that. It fits perfect in that puzzle that I was a, blessed to be a part of. Yeah. And I think to, to in closing, I, I, I would, you know, to, just to add to what you guys are saying, like, it just reminds me of honestly of how spoiled we were, man. <laughs> like more than anything else, like it's just I don't, okay. I don't want to romanticize it and be like, okay, well, you know, every single artist I put out an album was you know was a classic. You know, there was some duds, obviously. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? definitely. Of course, but like just just going over the list that you know that that I that I read earlier in the pod to like just thinking back, like I think music is such a it's such a connecting point. with, you know, like like it's it is it is a part of your life. Even you know, you know, my family I got now you know, with my kids and stuff. It's like I'll, I'll pull up like Midnight Marauders, and you know, I won't pull up Doggy Style, obviously. But yeah. pull, you know, but I'll, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll pull up, I'll pull up certain certain um, certain albums or certain songs and stuff. And it's just it's such a connecting point. Like you know, like you know, my fiance, like she's, like she's a she's as big as a tripod as I am. This is something like when you want to like uplift the energy and uplift the mood in the house it's like all right let me let me run some tribe for a half hour you know and, and mm-hmm. everybody the kids everybody's is is getting happy it's such a it's just such a connecting point like you know we're having this conversation but like you remember where you were when you know it was just our time right you remember where like where you were when certain songs dropped and i always tell the story about like when uh when cuban links dropped right the raekwon raekwon's first album the purple tape and I remember, like, to this day, our whole crew, like, all 10, 12, 15 of us all went downtown. And we're still living in Montreal at the time. And we all went downtown to all get a copy of this of this album. It was like a movement. You know what I mean? Like, when certain albums dropped, it was just it was just a movement. You look back on it now, and it's just you just you just digest music differently now. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah. and some of it is cool. And, like, the like the 
being able to get it like quick faster in your hands right away it's it's that part is amazing but you do lose that oomph in it you know what i mean because you mm -hmm. get it so fast mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know what i mean so yeah. that, that that's the biggest thing for me i think it's just you know you, you realize how spoiled you were yeah fast food versus restaurant food where it's presented nicely and somebody comes over and presents it to you and versus fast food just get it quick and eat it on to the next one yep right. basically and, and, you just described music right like today's yeah. music right there yeah although i will say i did enjoy the hip-hop for 2018 i did actually enjoy it a lot for like the first time in a, in a while you know I'll, I'll admit that but like but you're right though like it's just that's it's just the way it's presented now which is different and then you know, don't don't even bring up R and B. Like R and B is just it's not even, yeah, I, don't even know, I don't even know if it's called R and B anymore. Like this I yeah, I don't even have a genre for that right now. You know, yeah. Sort of yeah. I, I call it slow music. Slow, <laughs> slow warm up music. Every R and B I hear now, I'm like, yo, back in the days we'd use this for warm up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? This is this is a different time, you know what I mean? So it's not the, this, and this is not like a get off your lawn moment, you know. <laughs> but mm -hmm. but it's just you know, it's just, it is what it is. Like I love I love music, man. So it's like, like, like you give me a, a classic song now, like, and like somebody puts out a, a classic album now, like I'll appreciate it the same way. But, but, but mm -hmm. I, I will because I know I enjoy music a certain kind of way. So I'll appreciate mm -hmm. it in my, in my mind. This, this, you know, the kind of the same way I use, like I always have. But like I know a lot of people just they they enjoy it differently. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, so I think that's just the biggest thing. I think I think we're just looking at that at that period like that peak of the golden era period we're just spoiled man like it's just like you're never gonna see that again you know yeah, <laughs> you're just not you're just not gonna see that again yeah i i agree i, agree. I don't think we can we can go back you know no, what i mean but no. we got the memories you know what i mean yeah. we got the memories to this day i always said there's certain tracks that i have shelved that my kids are gonna have to figure out what to do with one day when i'm gone there you go. I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one. Of them. <laughs> you know, like there's certain things you can't sell. Like you know, there's times where I thought about selling a bunch of records, and I'm like, man, I can't get rid of this. Oh, certain you're things. Gonna, like you, yeah, you're gonna feel bad. Yeah, I can't because it, you know, it, 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 it played a part in your life. You knew where you were when you, when you got that record. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you knew where you were in your life when you got certain tracks. So it's hard to get rid of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And on that note, fellas, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on the Ave Podcast. No, thank you, this, man. This no, topic. thank you for real. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and yo, let me... let make me, me. You make me want to go dig in the crates right now. We'll yeah, go, man. I'm we'll, gonna... we'll dig now. <laughs> uh, and, and let me step back for the next couple of minutes i'll let you guys plug whatever you want to plug whether it's your show your next um your next gig dennis like what, whatever you guys want to plug go ahead right now i have nothing to plug i'm just living life and just uh, okay chris you go what next you talking about man what you talking about <laughs> <laughs> let him know man <laughs> this audition that's it you know on to the next thing on to the next thing next mini project mini commercial mini tv show that's it and um nothing big coming up but just very blessed to be in this position that's it don't worry the, Gra the grammy's party is coming soon the grammy party yeah. <laughs> yep yeah. i got the outfit put away for it yep i got i got i got the tux underneath the mattress it's ready to go <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I love it. 
and, and Chris, uh, you want to plug your show before we get out of here? Yes, I could be heard weekly on the Grooves and Rhythms Mix Show. You can catch it on, um, <coughs> excuse me, you can catch it on MyLimeRadio.com. You could also keep in contact with me at uh, ChrisNice.com or on social media, DJ Chris Nice or Facebook at Chris Nice. All right. Thanks again, fellas, for coming on the show. All right. Good night, folks. Thanks Good night, folks, and the pleasure was all, all mine, man. Loved it.